Hey everyone, welcome back to the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panetta. As always, we're downtown in Salem, Oregon, in studio today. Happy to be here. We got a couple of guests right here in studio. It's so fun being with people in, in person. Uh, and I want to introduce them, but before I do that, just again, welcome to returning listeners. Welcome to new listeners. Hope you enjoy the show today. Got a great topic lined up. Uh, a little bit about what we do and why we're doing it before we get into things. Uh, this podcast, this show is part of uh, an institute that we started, a leadership institute we started a couple of years ago. And the aim then was to raise the tide of leadership in our community. And you know, over the years, we've, we've refined our, our vision and our purpose to really be about one thing, which is we want to create the conditions for transformation in our communities. And that starts with one leader at a time, their organizations, and ultimately our community. And part of this, the goal with the, the podcast and with the show is to share ideas, put it out there in the world of what we're doing, interview some amazing leaders, learn from them, and just create a, a learning community. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, with that, I'm going to hop right into our guests today. We got two people sitting in here, so don't want to forget our camera guy also sitting in here. Camera guy Cam. Guess, guess what his name is? Cam. Cam the camera guy. Okay. Uh, but also we got Matt Hawkins. So uh, Matt Hawkins is sitting across from me. He is an alumni of our Leadership Institute. Also the, I don't know the official term, but HR director basically, right? Uh, in Polk County. Part of it. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, that's part of it. So there's more to it. And I'll let you talk about <laughs> that. But uh, first met Matt, um, gosh, a few years ago through an outward mindset training. I remember we sat in that restaurant at lunch together and you were looking for a, another home, right? As I was home shopping. And then we realized that we were actually looking at the same house. That is that? correct. I'm yeah. glad you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that you, uh, I think you guys had um, like made an offer or something. We had. Yeah, and so our realtor was like, Hey, somebody's already made an offer. So yeah. we kind of moved on from that. And, and we now, like, no, right now, neither of us have that yeah. home. <laughs> neither of us have that house. <laughs> but that was a, a fun memory. Uh, the first time that, that, uh, we met, uh, but you went through our institute last year, and I'll let you share a little bit about that experience if you'd like to. Um, but got to know you, uh, you know, a lot better through that because we see each other every month, and um, uh, just really learn to appreciate your your uh, your being in the room and the the value that you add, the humility that you add, and also your sense oh, of humor. So, well, thank you. I got a lot of really positive things to to say about you, and and the reason why you actually. Um, I wanted you on this show and the reason why you were on our panel last week, um, because it's, it was around servant leadership, which is what right. we'll eventually get in today. And I just feel like you kind of exude, exude that. Uh, so I was really curious to just learn more from you on that. Uh, and then sitting here, uh, also at the table is Kasha. So Kasha, uh, you've heard her voice sometimes in these, uh, these episodes, um, when we have our little commercial break, she's the voice telling us, Kasha, you want to say hi so people can recognize that voice? Um, hello, and welcome to the Rooted Leadership Podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you may have heard that voice before. Um, invited Kasha in to guest, uh, guest here as well and uh, want to learn from her around this topic of servant leadership. She was sitting there in the room when we talked about um, the uh, when, we were, when we had the panel last week so she can reflect a little bit on that conversation. But also uh, service is just part of Kasha's MO. I've known her for a long time, so I thought she would be a really great person to learn her perspective on uh, servant leadership. So that's what we want to get to today. I want to dive deep into that. But before we do, I always love to just let you both, any guest on our show, you know, take the reins, introduce yourself, 
And I was asked two questions, you know, who are you and what do you do? Two different ways to, to address that. You can take that where you'd like, but maybe we'll start with, uh, who wants to go first? Matt, you want to go first? I think Kasha should go first. All right, Kasha, go first. Go <laughs> okay. ahead, Kasha. Um, hi, I am Kasha Coombs. I am uh, originally from California, so I'm very much the typical California girl. I'm tall and blonde. Um, people never surprised when they find out where I'm from. Um, I have always had a love for people. Um, as far back as I can remember, I always surrounded myself with people and large groups of people I thrive. Um, yeah, amongst other human beings. Um, I also love to explore and to travel and to try new things. So you're not introverted. I'm not an introvert. Yes, I am textbook extroverted. Um, That's an introvert. We've got two introverts at this table. Yeah, so I've traveled a lot in my life. I love to see new places, um, hear, collect stories of other people. And um, I moved to Salem for work uh, about three years ago. Uh, Chris and I, we go way back. Like he said, we met at school over 10 years ago. So um, he said, hey, I'm doing this crazy thing out in Salem, Oregon. Do you want to come move out here? Um, and I said, sure, why not? Never been to the state, packed up my life, um, and drove to Salem, Oregon. Um, no regrets. Love living in Salem. Um, yet. Yet. <laughs> no regrets yet. Right. Um, no, it's been really great. I've, uh, there's some states I've been resistant to become a citizen of. Oregon has not been one of them. Oh, I was very oh. excited Good to, hear. to get my Oregon plates. I also think just the little tree is so cute. So, um, but yeah, so I guess that's kind of who I am. What I do is a harder question to answer. Um, I work here at Mountain West with Chris. I do a lot of support with the Groundwork Leadership Program. Um, We're still trying to figure out what we do here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're making we, it work. We it's just good. do stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do a lot of the logistics and um, just supporting the big brains that are pulling this program together. Um, as well as I do a lot of, within our community, some of the outward mindset work and initiatives, um, as well as support other things here and there. So Yeah. Kasha has a, just a great way um, with people um, and uh, creating a space and relationships that, that they don't forget. You know, mm -hmm. Obviously, she left an impression on, on, on me, but she just has a lot of talent. So it's nice to have swiss army knives in uh, the work that we do and kasha is definitely a swiss army knife so meaning if anybody doesn't get that analogy she she can do a lot of <laughs> i'm not talking about you two there could be somebody listening that never heard that reference before and you know just can do a lot of different things and that's what we need to to really do our work here but when you talk about traveling tell us the the coolest place you've traveled to oh that is so hard um because I think it's also hard because there's some places I spent a month and a half at and then other places that I spent a week at um, and they're kind of two different experiences. So I'll, um, my most recent travel experience, mm. I'll share that one, um, was I went to Iceland Ooh. and uh, we rented a camper van. When was that? Oh, man. Last two summers ago, the summer before COVID. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, and then, yeah. It was with people I'd met like two weeks previously. They said, hey, we're going to Iceland. Do you want to come? And Doesn't I said, yeah. Safe. And how long were you on this trip? <laughs> it was just, um, it was about five, six days. Okay. So um, 
half yeah. the half the time you knew them. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> I don't want to make light of serious things, but maybe I'll have to watch the movie Taken with you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> don't just get in no. camper vans with people you met two weeks ago. No, they were they were good people. Also, the girl in the Taken movie breaks every traveler rule, so she. Okay, it's no so. wonder she get, gets kidnapped. That's the- but, um, <laughs> but no, Iceland was beautiful and it was really cool because we just drove all over the country and That's then just really cool. camped at different places. And so we saw icebergs and um, beautiful waterfalls. Everything was so green and lush. I mean, the, the hills almost looked like you could bounce off of them. They just looked wow. That's just amazing. so cool. It was probably one of the most beautiful locations I've ever been. And the people of Iceland are some of the kindest and most trusting people I've ever met. Um, like we got to the airport and we missed the bus to get us to the location to pick up our van. And we called them. They're like, oh, it's fine. We actually have a van there. The keys are under the dashboard. You can just drive it. Just take that and take it <laughs> wow. drive it here. And we're it's like, very, wow. very trusting. It's incredibly yes, trusting. Um, Anyways, and there's just multiple experiences like that. So that's really cool. Yeah. Iceland. It's worth the trip. But I would say go longer for five days. Um, we seems like a long ways to just hang out for five days. Yeah. We, we really could only see about half of the country. We would have liked to stay probably another week and make it all the way around the island. Mm. Do they have uh, do they have a lot of saunas there? They do there, yeah. They have a lot of hot springs. Mm-hmm. Like oh, saunas inside homes that you ever hear of? Oh, I don't know. I never went okay. inside a home. One of my yeah, best friends. in a camper van. Oh, yeah, camper van. <laughs> <laughs> One of my best friends, he, uh, I can't remember where he, he was like an exchange student somewhere in the Scandinavia area, one of those countries. Mm. Can't remember which one, but he said that everybody in the, there has a sauna in, in their the house. And, hmm. and they, it's just like what families do some evenings is just all go get in the sauna. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just like a thing that they do. It's yeah. Funny. It reminds me when you think of Frozen. Right, and there's the guy. Yeah, you the show you. <laughs> yeah, you think I'm a blob? Yeah, that's right. And his whole family's in a sauna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's probably true. It's true stereotype. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, my friend said that everybody there has a sauna in the house. It's very rare. And somebody does it. Probably better than just watching TV. Yeah, it's yeah. true. But again, I don't know where there was. I don't know exactly what country it was. We'll have to do some research. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Kasha, for the that intro. Yeah. I'm um, glad to have you on the show today. Uh, for having me. Yeah, Matt. Let's. What about you, man? Can you uh, give us an intro here? I don't know if I can. I, after following that, I'm <laughs> I'm the boring one here today. <laughs> I have not traveled. Um, I've actually had the opportunity to hear Kasha's story more than once, um, actually more than several times now. And it amazes me just how she's ended up here um, and, the, and the leap of faith that she's taken and what that's done for our community. So anyway, for that's what that's worth. So... Who am I? First of all, um, to kind of follow the same, I am a husband and a father above all else. Um, lucky to have uh, met my wife in college when we were attending Western Oregon University. Um, I had different plans in this world, and she let me know that they were the wrong plans, and she has <laughs> fixed me. Uh, and we've been here ever since we uh, went to college many years ago now. Um, I did not grow up here. Um, I grew up in Oregon, so I've never lived outside of Oregon. However, where I grew up, I uh, was on the Idaho border and most people think that's a different country. So Nampa? <laughs> was it, what was it? Was yeah. It, outside of Boise actually, but on the Oregon. What's it called though? It's called Vail. Ram- oh, Vail. Vail. Ramirez has told me. Yeah. Larry. Yeah. yeah. Vail, Oregon. Yeah. So, um, kind of weird for 
really? two of us to be over here now. So uh, anyway, so who I am, um, I have a, I guess I have a deep desire to become somebody better uh, than who I am now and who I am today. And I desire to um, serve people and I, I desire to see leadership in this world change. And that's the reason I've been so excited about what uh, Groundwork has done, what Mountain West has promoted. It's been really fun to be a part of that. Um, what I do gets a little bit more complicated as well. Uh, I have a sign in my office at work that actually says, when asked, what do you do? Answer, whatever it takes. And I try to live by that. So when it comes, I try to take on what I can. But um, I don't like titles at work. But um, to get to it, my, my title for my job is Administrative Services Director for Polk County. Um, so it does, I oversee human resources and then, um, get to work with our general services department as well. Boss man. Um, I don't like that either. I, I'm a, <laughs> I, co- I, I, said it. <laughs> I am a coworker. Uh, I have many coworkers and I'm happy to answer to many other people as well. So, uh, very fortunate to have started my career at Polk County. Um, I've been there for uh, 23 years now. Wow. I actually started there right out of college as a, a juvenile probation officer. So com- completely different world than what I do now, but because of the environment that Polk County had created, especially at that time and opportunities that existed, I was able to change my career and not leave my employer. Um, and for that, I'm going to always be grateful. Yeah, uh, There's a lot of people that paved that way ahead of me as well. So give us an example of the complexities that come across your desk um, so you get a greater appreciation so like of the a, work that you do. like a day in the life type yeah, of like thing? Yeah, what's some of the complexities yeah, that come across so your desk? Yeah, so it's interesting because we're, in human resources, we're responsible for the recruitments, and have we have a couple of analysts that work in there who are fabulous and amazing people that really handle the recruitment for Polk County and being able to get new employees on and do the new employee orientations and things of that nature. Um, I get to deal with some of the um, less fun things as far as if things aren't going well, you know, we're going to be dealing with investigations and employee situations, shall we say. We're very uh, blessed in that those are very few and far between. Um, So most of that work actually is positive, getting to um, recognize employees for the things that they've done. Um, but I could be in a meeting dealing with human resources issues at say two o'clock and I got to rush out cause I've got a, a buildings meeting at three o'clock to, mm. um, be meeting with contractors to talk about a new project that we've got going. So, um, completely changing gears, but I actually love it. Um, I'd get bored otherwise. Yeah. Swiss army knife as well. <laughs> I try, I try. <laughs> I think sometimes I've got some broken tools, but I do what I can. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've always fascinated just, just again, learning from others when they do these intros, we could spend a whole episode, just me continue to dig deeper and ask more questions, but I'm going to let some of that experience and uh, knowledge that both of you have to offer come out when we get into this topic. Um, uh, People probably clicked on this episode because they saw servant leadership. And if you have a, an inclination to learn about that. I want to get right into it. And so please feel free when we're talking about servant leadership, lean into your experiences, what you've seen, what's, what you've gone through, um, just as much as, you know, the, the ideas themselves of, of around servant leadership. 
Is that cool? It works. Yep. I do want to, uh, you know, mention one more thing. You, you mentioned uh, when you answered who, you know, who are you um, after being, you know, husband and father, you said you, you want to be somebody that fulfills their potential. What were the exact words you said? I want to see, be somebody better be than somebody I am better today. Than you am today. Okay. Well, the word that came to mind was potential um, mm-hmm. when you said that. And the reason why that's so important to us here um, in our inst- in our institute uh, is we talk a lot about transformation, like I mentioned. And transformation, at least the way that I'm defining it right now, is is this fundamental shift or shifts that we make in our life towards positive potential. Um, and I think that that's so important. I actually, you know... Um, uh, a mentor of mine, former guest on the on the show, you know him, Brian. Uh, Brian Moore mm-hmm. is one of our early episodes, like probably episode eight or nine or something. But, right. But uh, he told me once, you know, a few years ago, he said that, uh, and I'll never forget it because I think about it all the time. He said, too many of us live far beneath our potential. And uh, I couldn't agree more. I feel like, you know, that's the number one thing. One of the number one things that any of us should know about ourselves is that we have a, a potential. Um, to be something that we probably can't even, uh, you know, fathom right now. Right. And that's really hard to see when we're struggling the most or we're struggling to find meaning or we're going through challenges or some form of suffering. But actually, I feel like that's when it's most important to understand what that potential can be. So I love that you mentioned that because that resonates deeply with me because it's really uh, one of the things that are at the heart of of uh, what we're doing. So we want our community, we want our leaders, we want people here to to start to live in a way that gets them closer to their potential. I think that our community has an uncapped potential here and the organizations in it. So love that idea of just being a better version of, of yourself. Um, It just resonates with the idea of potential. So switching to servant leadership, I want to start off with a, a proverb that one of our most recent guests, I think his episode was just published today, Seamus shared with me on that episode but it has everything to do with servant leadership. And I shared this in the in our session last week. And to provide a little more context for any listeners, last week we had our, our, our monthly session. I've talked about before, every month we meet with these leaders in our community. Matt is an alumni. He came back. We had a panel discussion for about an hour and a half. And the topic was uh, servant leadership. So we had five alumni up there. We're asking them questions. And we dove into this idea of servant leadership. But before, I gave kind of a scaffolding and general overview of what servant leadership is. And I started with this proverb that Shema shared with me just recently. And it's a Samoan proverb. And it goes like this, Ole ala ile pule, ole tautua. So let me say that again. Uh, I don't speak Samoan, so I'm doing my best here. <laughs> ole ala ile pule, ole tautua, which means the pathway to leadership is through service. Um, and I love that. when he, As soon as he told it to me, I, I was like, hey, spell that out for me. I want to remember that. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, so the pathway to leadership is through service. Now, let's take it from there. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that's a proverb that's lasted years in a culture like the Samoan culture and many other cultures um, where the pathway to, to leadership is through service? What do you think? Matt always looks at me first, so this is good. I'll, I'll start and Matt can clean up my words. Oh. But... Um, <laughs> Whenever I think of society and the way that it's structured, um, I mean, everywhere you look, it's service, right? I think I have always loved the question of when to think about your day, right? Your day at work, how much of what you do 
is for yourself versus how much of what you do is for others. Um, and the percentage is most of the time much more, it's a much bigger percentage of what you do for others versus what you do for yourself at your job, right? Every job that we have of being part of this society is serving others, whether you're the CEO of a big company what to um, groceries, right? Um, you're constantly serving other people. I think our society is set up through service because um, as human beings, we need, we need each other and we need help. Um, so I don't know, I guess my, that's kind of where my thought went or my head went was, well, of course, I mean, I think, um, the path to really anything is through service of others, right? The path to, um, joy, the path to, um, purpose, uh, the path to any accomplishment is really through service. I don't think we can do anything without it. Yeah. Do you think there's a difference between service and doing things for others? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, I think uh, at least when I was raised service, the definition of service is doing things for others. Right. Um, but I, I get where your question's coming from, uh, where I think we can quote unquote do things for others, but just doing them because we're being paid to do them. Right. Versus seeking out ways to be helpful to others mm -hmm. is definitely two different things. Yeah. Yeah, I like I that. It, I think it has a lot to do with your intentions. Um, I like what Kasha said that, and I hope that this proverb is true. It's one of those things where you hope it to be true because if you look at history for societies around the world, um, we've had leaders that weren't doing it by service. They yeah. they were only serving themselves. Um, they thought that was the way to go, and and then things crumble. And and so I hope that. You know, and that's one of our goals and maybe why it's kind of weird. I feel like I'm sitting here talking about servant leadership and I appreciate the very kind words you said about me um, in our intro. But it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know that I'm an expert in this whatsoever, but it's something I desire to be. Um, and so if we have the desire and the intention to do something for others, for them, then we're in service. If we have a desire to do something for others, for us, even if that's to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, yeah, then we're just doing something for others. Mm. Yeah. Well, the idea of, you know, of you desire to become a, a servant leader, I think that becoming and, and being are cl closely related. We're always becoming something, sure. right? Um, uh, we're never not anything. Um, and, uh, and I think that's where it starts. So uh, to bring some of these comments together, it seems like that there's something that precedes the actual service itself. What do you think that something is? You call I, it intention. I'd say intention, change of heart, whatever it may be. I mean, I was just thinking about my own history. So I'm, I'm sitting here lucky enough to be here today. Um, when I first started in my career, um, you, you'd look at the ladder a little differently and, and you're like, okay, fresh out of college, got to get some years of experience and then I can maybe move up, do some things um, within the career that I had chosen at that time. And um, I was bumping along. I was fine. Um, but I knew there was something more to this and, and it was, I needed a, a change, if you will. Uh, my family probably needed a change and I'm able to sit back and 
realize with a pure intention at that time to go for the job that I sit in now, essentially. And it was out of a desire to do well by our employees, to do well for them. Um, And I think just things have um, just domino effect from there. Um, when when your desire and intentions are true, or at least you hope that they are, um, then things work out for for you as well as those people you actually are trying to serve. Yeah. So if uh, you mentioned, you know, when you first started your career of being to move up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the term that came to mind was to climb the the ladder. Climb the ladder. Yeah. You know, climb the ladder. And if this proverb is is true, then it really makes it a paradoxical sort of. Um, uh, complicated, uh, that's a better word than paradoxical. Well, both it's paradoxical, but it's also complicated because servant leadership is basically saying this, is what the theory says. We talked about this on, on, uh, on last Friday was, uh, it is, it's paradoxical because leadership, when we think of leadership, we think of out in front, think of the one that's mm-hmm. at the top, that's influencing, that's leading. When we think of service, we think of somebody that's actually cleaning up behind mm-hmm. that is last uh, and I mean, Simon Sinek's a great book, Leaders Eat Last. There's all sorts of yep. books on servant leadership now, but but it really flips it on its head, which is why I think it's such an intriguing concept and uh, that we put, you know, Greenleaf is the one who kind of dubbed the term Robert Greenleaf, but he put the term leadership and servant in the same, I mean, it's the same, it's in the same thing. It's like it's its own word, servant leadership, because the term itself is really complicated. Because if this is right, the pathway to leadership is through service, then that really changes how people maybe see climbing the social ladder or growing professionally yeah, in an organization. So how do we, I mean, how do we, how do we, how do we handle that? Just mentally, how do we think through that to understand what it means? Because to climb the ladder, you do actually have to excel, ascend certain things, accomplish certain things, be recognized but servant leadership would say, well, I don't need any of those things. Maybe, right. I don't need to be recognized. I don't need to have this mindset of climbing and becoming, um, I'm just here to serve. So how do we, how do we juggle these, these paradoxes? I think that's where you get down to true servant leadership is being able to get outside of yourself and, um, be able to recognize that that ladder that maybe at one time you wanted to climb, you don't need to climb anymore that your goal may be helping others climb that ladder mm-hmm. or making sure that they're pulled right up there. Um, I think that the community works better that way. Yeah. I think organizations work better that way when you have um, individuals who will humbly push others to be able to do their best and, and you have, and have a true desire within themselves to see others succeed. Yeah. It's one of those things I was thinking about that, um, you know, how often do we see somebody succeed? This is like a peer of ours and we get super excited for them. You know, uh, if you aren't in the right mindset, it becomes more of a, well, why didn't I get that? Yeah. Why am I not there? And in reality, what we should be, we should be happy for that person. Yeah. Um, especially if they did it the right way. Right. Um, you mentioned a buddy of mine earlier, just briefly, and we're two kids from a little tiny town and um, to see the success that he's had has just been amazing for me personally. And like, I'm proud to say like, look what he did. Yeah. Um, and, and he's done well 
and deserves everything that he's gotten. But from another standpoint, if you wanted to and you weren't looking at it through that mindset, it's like, well, good for him. Yeah. Why am You're I? Like, why I am I not he, there? I know how he used to. Yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. Why? Why do I not get that opportunity? So I think again, it comes back to to mindset. Isn't that kind of what we're all mm-hmm. talking about and here for? Yeah. What do you think the world, uh, the world overarching term rewards more? You know, do they notice the leader who doesn't care about the ladder, the leader who's trying to serve and just be there and and help others? Or, or in a lot of ways, does the world reward the one who's trying to climb? What do you think? Do you want to answer it? Take that one, Kasha. Oh gosh, you give me the hard one. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it really depends on what world you're in, because I do think there are preconceived ideas as to what, like we say like, well, this is celebrated, but yet when the opposite happens, that's actually what gets celebrated. Um, like for example, vulnerability, right. Mm -hmm. As a leader, um, right. There's like this, like this, this belief that vulnerability is weakness. Um, but the second that someone's vulnerable, it gets celebrated right? People cheer them on. They thank you for, for being vulnerable. Um, and yet, but I do think, I mean, Chris, I guess getting back to your question, I think the world, whoever the world is, is kind of telling us the opposite of what is celebrated. But then the second that someone serves you, I mean, that's what you love and cherish most, right? Um, I don't know. I think maybe there's a paradox there as to what the world is telling us versus what we personally actually do celebrate, right? The world celebrates something than what we ourselves as human beings need. Yeah. Well, we have to value the idea of servant leadership because it has an opposite, you know? It has an opposite that that uh, that brings intrinsic value to the idea of servitude, you know, servitude of, of being a servant and a leader because the opposite would be a tyrannical, you know, um, dominating leader. So there's obviously an opposite for us to even value something like servant leadership. Um, and I think what you're saying is that that even if we if even if the world it could be anything general generally speaking isn't directly putting value on it, they do value it. Yeah, and I actually absolutely. think I think we're going we're going to this this way of operating. This actually came up in the panel from one of our panelists is that now servant leadership is kind of like just it's thrown out there as just a a, a way to to talk about things and do things, but it it maybe lacks the genuine authenticity behind it because now it's like, well, we just should practice servant leadership here. So the, one right. of the questions we ask the panel is, what's the difference between applying servant leadership and actually being a servant leader? Yeah, I think I think to add a little bit to Kasha's, I think though it's interesting to ask that question because we, as the world, if I were to sit back, I'd say they don't recognize the servant leadership. They they are, um, if you look at the ladder again and who gets to the top of that ladder, rarely is it the servant leader. Um, but again, that wasn't their goal. Yeah. Um, but I do think we have some wonderful people doing great work right now to try to, to try to change, to make things seem a, a little bit different so that, um, that just society will be seen as people. And people will be valued for who they are at whatever level they're at. Um, so I'm a, I just thought of this, like I'm a big basketball fan, right? Child of the seventies, eighties. Sorry to put it out there. That's my age. <laughs> and, um, when I'm growing up, 
you had a point guard on the basketball court. And what was the point guard's job? His job was to get the ball to other people and let them have that glory, if you will. You know, they're going to score the points. They're going to get us there. But the whole goal was originally to make sure that they're getting the ball to the right people that's going to make a basket to help them win games. Um, the, the, the game has completely changed the other way to where point guards are now the scorers. They've got the ball in their hands. They can shoot first. Um, I just, I just thought of that as I'm thinking of, a, a how our world sees things and how they do things. And I think that service used to be valued much more than, uh, another period in time in, mm-hmm. in our society. Um, but I see it trying to change again. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think there's an argument to say that supports what you said of that the world doesn't value it, but that's also contradicting to what. Gosh, it started with by saying that everything we do is about service. But, you know, going back to the roots of servant leadership and sorry for people that aren't aren't Christian, but a lot of the roots came from Christianity. You know, they didn't even value it then. Right. They killed him. Mm-hmm. You know, they crucified him. Uh, and now we're trying to find value from it, from this record, and right. this history of of this individual. But, we, you know, this Jesus Christ, but we still struggle with with it, just like people struggled with with what he was doing back then. And that was his M.O. was servant leadership. Uh, and I want to get into that a little later of of the heart of servant leadership of sacrificing yourself for others. But I want to I want to come back to this this idea of the balance between what we know is best and what people really want in their hearts versus how things actually are. Whether it's the world, our organizations, our families, our communities, the media, because we all love servant servant. We love when somebody is genuine and vulnerable with us, and they serve us, and it's authentic and it's real. But that's just not the way things things are. And so why why is that? Why is it not the way things are if we know that it's the right thing? And my I have a theory, at least part of the theory is that's because like what you said, Matt, is there's no they don't they don't need that recognition. Right. So it's not it doesn't become a big deal because they don't do it in the first place to get recognized, right? Like uh, you know, boobers I it I thou. The thou doesn't need the attention. It doesn't need to be recognized. It doesn't need to be on the stage. It just is. And it's just authentic and it's real. But the it within all of us, this this structured, more or you know, order, performance sort of mentality, that wants to be recognized, that wants the glory. Um, and so it may, that might be why it takes over. But there's still this part of all of us that servant leadership, there's an opposite to it that we don't like, mm-hmm. but we we have systems and structures and society around that maybe embellish that or reward it. So how do we change it without drawing attention to the servant, <laughs> right? How do we change it without drawing attention to say, hey, this is the better way, because that would be drawing attention to it, which creates more of that, that, uh, that paradox and that challenge in it that makes it complicated. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we can change it without drawing attention to it. Um, you know, I know we'll talk, it sounds like we'll talk about it more later, but you know, you bring up Jesus Christ and uh, the fact that he was crucified. Um, so servant leadership didn't work in some respects, yeah. right? The people didn't all follow him because if everyone had followed, then we would be like, this is the greatest way to lead it's in the history. the greatest thing ever. Um, and does it always work? No, there's proof right there. And there's proof in other ways that it doesn't always work if you're trying to be at the top. Yeah. Um, 
And if we want to change things, you have to have these conversations. You have to have um, people doing the research, people writing the books, people doing the podcasts to talk about servant leadership and, and a better way of doing things. Um, what do you think, Kasha? Yeah. Why do you think it doesn't work? Well, I, I guess the idea that's floating around in my head is this idea of, um, of like calling it out or bringing attention to it. I feel like in all other leadership realms, there are people standing in front of crowds of thousands saying, hey, here's this leadership pattern and here's how I did it and here's why it worked, right? Like there's people um, almost saying, look at me and see how, look how successful I am um, versus what I think servant leadership calls for is that a true servant leadership won't ever do that, servant leader. Okay right? Um, that it almost needs other people to recognize that leader and to share their story. I mean, even think about the story of Christ, right? There's no, nowhere is there a book of Jesus Christ, right? Um, all stories about Christ were told by others, never by him. Um, and I just think there's just a difference there. I mean, I, as a Arbinger facilitator, you're trained to never tell good stories about yourself, right? Only tell good stories about others. Um, and I think that's true to servant leadership, right? Is the second that we share a story about a time that I was a great servant leader, we're now, we've lost the spirit of it. You've lost all humility at that point. Right. 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 When you're talking of yourself. Yeah. 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 Interesting things from that is, um, cause even those stories that aren't the good stories about ourselves, they, at the end of the day, they are right. Cause there are these stories of change that we went through. Um, and so even though, you know, at the first side of it, um, it feels like it's a bad story about, about somebody. And for anybody listening, you know, these Arbinger stories, we typically an Arbinger facilitator shares a story about a time when they didn't do the right thing. They saw Mm -hmm. somebody as an object, um, instead of saying, Hey, I see everybody's people all the time and I'm wonderful. But at the end of the day, it is a story actually about that facilitator learning to see that they were the problem. So, it is a kind of a good, a good, a good story, right? Because it, 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 it puts something within, within reach, but then helps somebody still grow. Like you relate to somebody, but it still helps them grow. I think a good servant leader does the same thing by, um, Hey, I'm not perfect. Uh, unless you're Jesus Christ, <laughs> uh, I'm not perfect. Um, but I'm learning, I'm growing. Like you said, Matt, I'm trying to become, um, and when, you know, the savior, greatest example of servant leadership obviously you know obviously that exists um and uh and he i mean in in some ways he never drew attention to himself but in other ways he was trying to say this is the way absolutely you know this is the way and here's what you do you know um the sermon on the mount here's the things to do uh and uh and obviously we still have a hard time getting it um and and going back to this main thread of why is it why does it happen more here's another theory or thing I want to throw out there is because the heart of servant leadership is to sacrifice yourself, you know, and your wants, desires, needs. This isn't just Chris theory. This is in the books. This is the actual theory behind it is to put followers first. And if you read into that, it means you're literally putting over, putting aside your own tasks, your own wants, your desires, and you're elevating those of others that basically more important than your own. Um, and that's a, that's a really hard, you know, thing to, to consider, but I think that's part of the reason why um, servant leadership doesn't work is because sometimes mm-hmm. is because 
uh, the, the leader ends up putting so much attention on others that they, they in essence die. I mean, that was what the Savior did. And that's what leaders sometimes happen to now. They, they get burnt out. They can't last anymore because they gave all that they can give. And we had this long discussion on Friday about a balance between self-care and doing this. And I think that's true for the most part for us to make sense of it, at least for me and my little brain to make sense of it. But in essence, if I have to take care of myself in order to better serve others, then that's not actually a sacrifice because I'm preparing myself to give to others and to serve others. The real measure of sacrifice, in my opinion, is I have nothing actually for myself. I need everything, but I'm still going to give what I do have to another. That's a true sacrifice. But me making sure that I'm okay and that I'm exercising right, I'm taking care of myself, I'm, I'm good in my relationships, if that's how I'm seeing self-care, then I'm still actually preparing myself to give. I'm not actually giving when I don't have. Hmm. And so there's no sacrifice. Right. Um, I'm actually prepared for it. It's like uh, saying, hey, I want to give you a thousand bucks. I only have a thousand bucks. So I'm going to go and make more money with this a thousand bucks so I can come back and give you a thousand bucks. Right. That's great. Like we both win at the end of the day, but servant leadership is take my thousand bucks and I'm not going to have any. Right. Like that's what, that's what Jesus Christ did. And that's why I think servant leadership fails because that is a very hard thing to do. And when we do do it, it doesn't require celebration. Nobody's shouting it from the roof, rooftops and, uh, and it can be exhausting and we actually miss out. We lose. The leader can lose. And if you remember, if, if any listeners remember the episode with Colin Box a few last year sometime, we talked about what are leaders willing to give up because we do have to give up quite a bit if we're going to take this stance of servant leadership. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, the question like that servant leaders can lose, it made me think, well, what does winning look like to a servant leader, right? Because um, maybe losing is winning, yeah. right? Like right. maybe that is a true servant leader. Their whole purpose in life is to give all that they can give until they literally drop dead, right? Um, and so, yeah, maybe they lose, but yeah, to them that, yeah. I mean, what else would winning look like for a servant leader? Yeah. Well, keeping on this Christian theme, he did win, right? Right. <laughs> and right. we all won if you're Christian because of it, right? Right. When he, t- he did drop dead, literally, and, and that was a win, not a loss. Um, and thankfully, if you're Christian, again, we're thankful that he did. But I like that, uh, that take on it. What do you think, Matt? I don't know. As, it, as you're talking, I think of um, someone, honestly, like Mother Teresa, um, who literally, she actually did. And she celebrated today for all that she did, um, but at the same time did none of it for herself. Yeah. Um, and it, it, like, that's great. That's amazing. She was obviously an amazing person, did wonderful things. But when her time came to leave this earth, she had no possessions. Yeah. She had given everything that she could. Um, probably not a whole lot of self-care. I don't know. I didn't know her, but um, just a wonderful example. But when you come back to talking about leadership as in positions and organizations and be needing to run them, um, that's where things get a little dicey in my opinion, um, being able to say that, um, I can be a servant leadership at all times and in all places becomes a lot more difficult, mm-hmm. even though that's what you want. It's complicated. It's very complicated. And you want the world to be able to just follow right along and say, Hey, we're all serving each other. Isn't this great? 
Like that's really, that would be amazing. That's just not the way it works. Um, unfortunately. So there's moments and times where my, myself as an example, I cannot just sit there and try to build everyone else up around when there's a moment in time that I have to actually make the decision or something to, um, do what's right for the department, if you will. Well, it goes back to this, this grand paradox, uh, Bernard Mayer wrote, wrote a book on it. I think it's called the grand paradox or something about paradox, but I think some of the most influential, you know, thought or, or literature out there is, it has a really important paradox to it. Um, just like servant leadership does, because that's just, that's just life. I mean, you can't have happiness without sadness. You can't have dark with lightness without the dark. You can't have good without bad. And if you only ever have all of it, then you actually, you, it's not no longer good. And I actually wrote, I was thinking about this this morning in my, let me pull out my phone here. I made a note. So this is, uh, from, uh, Taoism, uh, the Tao Te Ching. And, and it, it says, uh, all the world, and this is getting to this point that I'm making of paradox, all the world, if all the world knows is beauty, all the world knows is beauty, but if that becomes beautiful, this becomes ugly. All the world knows good, but if that becomes good, this becomes bad. And, uh, and so all of, I mean, all of anything isn't, is bad, right? right. And, uh, and so this goes back to um, servant leadership has an opposite, which makes servant leadership such a attractive form of leading, not just for leaders, but for followers. They want that, you know, they want that sort of a leader. And I think most leaders want to be that way. Um, but it doesn't exist, and I don't think nor is it is it what it is without the opposite. And we, you can't live in a world without both. And that's the that's the beauty in paradox. But that's also the challenge there, is because we wish we lived in a world full of beautiful goodness all the time. But we wouldn't appreciate it without the bad. You know, we don't know what a truly joyful, happy moment is without the sad one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that's just part of living. You know, and I would say that's as it relates to our institute. That's part of transformation. Is transformation isn't having one without the other. It's not just having all the wonderful things. Transformation is the commingling of both sides. Uh, and so, leaders that want to have transformational impact isn't just all servitude all the time. It's the commingling with the dynamic of life that we're this and we're that. And how do we take this stance that you said, Matt? This is my own belief here, but always wanting to become this, live to this potential. It doesn't mean that we're wonderful all the time. It just means that that's, that is the, the goal and who knows what potential is, right? <laughs> right. We just let life happen to us instead of, um, uh, the life, the life situations like that happen instead of trying to control everything all the time. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and I wonder, you know, we, as leaders, we're, <laughs> we're talking about leadership as if it's a, um, one facet of our life. And in reality, I have to lead in multiple areas of my life, whether that be um, at work because of a position title you hold, um, in my home because I am a father, um, or within my own congregation at church, right? Yeah. Um, and, and those are all very different areas, and servant leadership comes in to play in very different ways at times. Um, can I sit back and say, that I serve my children, my wife, 
Um, hopefully my wife will acknowledge at some point I've served her, (laughs) Um, but she's truly the servant leader within our home and that she's literally served every one of us Uh at all times. Um, When you talk about giving up of yourself, have I done that? Yeah, I've given up a lot for my children to uh, be here. Like, trust me, my life is not what I had planned. Thank goodness. It would, I would not be doing so well right now. Um, But part of that was it's easy to give up for them. Um, And then at work, you're wanting to do that and you desire to do that. Um, But I can guarantee you that everyone I work with will not tell you that at all times and in all places was Matt a servant leader. Yeah. That's what we heard. That's why we wanted. Is that to what it? Yeah. That's how it got back to you. That's why we. The wrong guy. This is really a episode of calling me out. Yeah, this was this is a <laughs> intervention. <really>. Okay, <laughs> Matt, I'm yeah. handling it. You need to change. <laughs> no, you know when you hit home to the family, it's it's always resonates. I think with with most people and being a, a husband and a father and you know, I mean mothers. What a great example of servitude. Mm-hmm. Literally put their life on the line to bring life into the world. Right. Um, and in the old days, a lot of death and right. giving right. birth. So it was more literal then. And there's still certainly complications today, but yeah, talk about what are you willing to sacrifice? So we do see it happen. And if going to this idea of giving birth, it's at the center of life. And if you put it that way, you know, um, kind of just ending where we finished with Kasha talking about, it's about everything that we do, but it's so much more complicated than that. Um, because there's intention behind it. There's outcomes from it. Uh, there's all these things we bounced around. I mean, it's so hard to address something like, like servant leadership in an hour. Um, but I feel like we've scratched good at the surf, a bit of the surface for people that go deeper on their own and wrestle, disagree, agree with some of the things we've discussed. Um, but in closing, we just got a few minutes left. Uh, what, what do we do with all this? What do you think? Uh, I mean, what do we do with all this? What, what is servant leadership? Um, and given all of these nuances, cause it's not as easy as just, Oh, here it is. You gotta be humble and, and, uh, put others first and you got it. Do that tomorrow and you'll figure it out. <laughs> um, but what, do, what, you know, what do we do with all this? Um, going forward, what do you think? I think Kasha. Well, I think I, when you asked that question, I took it personally, right? How can I be different after uh, this experience? How can I choose to be more of a servant leader in my world? And it's actually kind of my train of thought in my, I don't know, my meditation this morning of just what have I not done because I've claimed it's too hard or I've claimed it's unnecessary um, when it comes to seeking, I don't know, peace or to become the person that I want to become, right? Uh, and I think sometimes with servant leadership, I mean, there are a lot of leaders out there giving so much right now. I think um, these last couple of years have been exhausting for a lot of people. Um, so I, this is more of a question for me and I'm not diagnosing this to anyone else. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess just the question of what else can I do um, that I have previously claimed I don't want to, right? Um, I think as a servant leader, that's a question you can just ask yourself, right? Every day, am I giving all that I can give? Um, am I doing all that I can do? Or is, or is there room for more, right? And there might be some days that the answer is, yeah, yeah, right? Like I, 
I gave all that I could give today. Um, but I know personally for me, I would say most of the time at the end of the day, the answer is if I ask the question, can I do more tomorrow? The answer is probably going to be yes. Yeah. Yeah. It brings up uh, with what you're saying. It brings this level of, of grit and tenacity to servant leadership of can, what more can I do? Um, and you have to have those attributes of, of being tenacious to actually go out and do it because it's not easy. Um, servant leadership is not easy. I like that. It's tough. I think that was great. I appreciate the thought process there, Kasha, because um, we have those moments, like you said, where there's, you're like, I'll be honest, like most days I can go home and be like, yeah, no, I, I could have done more. I could have given more. Um, and once in a while you do have one where you're like, man, I gave it all. And on those days you might be exhausted, but you feel great. <laughs> yeah. Because that was, that was the goal in the first place. I've been fortunate enough in my life to have some great examples of this, um, of servant leaders, if you will. And they were just great people. My, one of my best friends growing up, I've, I've told him countless times, like when I grew up, I want to be like your dad. And I have a wonderful father, amazing man who is the other example for me, him and my mom both. But um, this gentleman's name was Dave and he, 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 was, he had had my buddy um, later in life. And so my friend teased me. He's like, well, you could have another kid at 47 and you'll be my dad. I was like, no, I don't want to be that kind of your dad. But uh, Dave walked around our town. Um, he had retired earlier, um, had been a leader within his organization um, and just walked around with this giant smile on his face all the time. Um, Dave, unfortunately, was this guy. Well, not unfortunately. Fortunately, I thought he was a guy who's going to live forever. And at 80 years old, still just, he downhill skied that winter. Um, and then bone cancer took him from us. And I can still remember going to his funeral um, and hearing such wonderful, amazing things about Dave that I already knew, except for a couple of things. I was like, this guy was great. Like he literally tried to serve everyone. Um, and, and my buddy's mom is the exact same way and she's still doing it. Um, but at the funeral, um, they're a Catholic family and, and they were talking about that usually when a new priest comes in to, again, I'm from a very small town, um, but when a new priest comes in, that the old priest is there to greet them and kind of explain, hey, here's, here's what you're kind of getting into and then off they go, but not here. Dave was the one who was always there to greet the new priest coming in and say, hey, I'm here for you. What do you need? Yeah. Um, and they talked about that it was really his church in that way. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to have these wonderful examples in my life of, um, <laughs> I say fortunate, but all too often, I guess I sit back and I'm like, Matt, you're failing. You're <laughs> not Dave yet. You're not your dad yet. Uh, there's things you got to work on still. So we'll keep pushing. <laughs> Appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I, uh, I have to avoid now talking too much about my, my dad and these, mm -hmm. otherwise I just become a mess. <laughs> but he's a great example of uh, servant leadership for me as well. So the way you talk about your dad, it's always resonates with me. Um, and my dad's also a great example of not someone who has been rewarded from a world standpoint um, for his servitude. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes that's tough, the reality. Right. Of putting others first is uh, 
you might not get something at the end of the day. Um, you know, I remember when I was a kid, there was a, there was this opportunity my dad had, you know, one of the very few in his life to kind of go up that ladder. Um, he was finally recognized for just, you know, being the person that he is, which is not what he was doing it for, but he was recognized for this position that would have totally changed the trajectory of, of our lives, I, I think. Um, and, uh, and he didn't do it because kids were older. We were a little bit older. I'm the youngest, so everybody's older than me. Um, my mom was really set where she was. Uh, and so he didn't do it. And, you know, just a few short years after that, you know, I mean, it's just everything from that world perspective didn't end up going well for him because he just kept giving up for other people. Uh, but you know, I think some of the, the benefit that happens from people like that is there's people like us, like me, like what you said or that are watching and mm-hmm. learning from that. Um, and that changes other, their, their lives, right? That's like, it certainly changed mine. And so servant leadership matters. So it's not easy. Like what Kosh was saying, um, day to day, it's hard to strive to be that way. And I think we, we need to remember, we don't have to be that way. We just need to try to be that way. Um, and do, you know, do our, do our best. Um, and we'll lose out on things. I think that's important to remember. We're, we're going to, there's sacrifices that will be made um, when the time, when those times come. But uh, I think we, we have to bit, have a bit, bit of a bigger picture on it. You know, uh, like you said early on in this episode, see beyond ourselves and see beyond the here and now. Um, so talked about a lot of different things, a lot for listeners to, to think about. Uh, and again, I hope, I hope listeners you're agreeing with some of this, you're disagreeing with some of this. I hope you go back and wrestle with some of these concepts, um, and, and really reflect on, on not just your leadership, but the sort of person you are, you know, and the servant in, inside of all of us, uh, lots, lots to think about. And I invite you to do that. Um, one, one last, uh, sentence from each of you. What do you got to say? Um, I guess. To, when it comes to servant leadership, tell others their stories, right? Servant leadership will never tell their own stories. So, I mean, that's what just happened here, right? You guys just told the story of a servant leader and tell other stories, tell other stories. Sorry, did I not say that right? Yeah. Tell the stories of the servant leaders in your life because they won't do it. And it's the only way for us they to, they won't do it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's the only way for us to learn like is that. through the sharing the stories of others. So love that. Love that. Yeah, I don't think I could agree more. I think that's wonderful because um, promoting those who have taught without meaning to teach because that was just their lives. That's how they lived. Um, I think our organizations, I think our world become a better place. Um, And for those that are interested in uh, becoming servant leaders, I think it's possible. I think it's, as you talked about, Chris, transformation. I think you can um, see things differently and go for it. Um, and you'll make an impact, you'll make a difference. And then, um, when you fail, don't beat yourself up Yeah, because the time will come where you're going to get burned. Um, but you didn't do it for the glory in the first place. So keep that in mind and, and just keep pushing forward. Yeah. Love that. Thank you. And for any of the uh, type A's out there that are listening or people that think this is fluff, I got appeal to you as well. Because there's part of me that's that way also. 
literature shows that servant leadership increases group and organizational performance, personal performance, and has societal impact. Um, and so these things are no joke. I mean, they, they really, they do make a difference and people are noticing um, and the world notices it. Um, so servant leadership, uh, something to think about, um, something to strive for, something to share. Cam Brown, cameraman. True MVP. True servant leader in the room. Doesn't <laughs> right. need to be on screen doing all the behind the scenes. <laughs> Serving us. Serving us. Thanks, Cam Brown. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining. As always, um, appreciate you. Uh, hopefully, you 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 know you can share this episode with others, and you'll keep returning. Um, but until then, uh, until next time, take care. Be safe. Bye.